0: Welcome to Everybody A, Everybody Gay,
1: a queer exploration of pretty little liars.
0: With your hosts, Speak Pirate, aka Joanna. I'm here, I'm queer, and I have a cat named Spencer. And your other host,
1: LCO123, aka Vina, a proud member of the Church of Vander Jesus.
0: And we are here tonight to talk not only about PLL, which we're always talking about, but also a show that I feel like shares some core DNA uh, with. Pretty Little Liars, and that show is Veronica Mars. Uh, I've been a fan of Veronica Mars since it aired originally back in you know two thousand four to two thousand seven, uh, and then when season four recently debuted on Hulu uh, just this past summer, I convinced my good friend Vina to give it a try, uh, and so she came to it as a new viewer. Because she's a completist, she watched all of the seasons plus the movie, even though I had told her uh, for talking about it with Pretty Little Liars, she could just watch season one and season four. Um, but Vina, as a new viewer, would you like to kind of give us an overview of what the show is about?
1: Yes, yes, I would. Um, yes, Veronica Mars stars uh, Samara Lookalike, Kristen Bell. Um, in the first season, she is uh, sort of inhabiting the role of teen detective. She is helping her dad, who is a private investigator as well as kind of running her own investigations at her high school. Uh, this is all kind of brought about by the death of her best friend, who is a very De Laurentis type character, uh, very mysterious, a family with deep ties to the community and a kind of uh, unclear past of their own. Um, it, as the show goes on, Veronica continues kind of investigating uh, and also trying to balance that with being a teen girl and eventually a college student and then eventually an adult by the time we get to the movie and, uh, the fourth season, uh, all the while kind of balancing relationships and uh, kind of uh, getting involved in, in various hijinks and new mysteries.
0: Yes. And so one of the main, uh, points of similarity is that both shows kind of have an inciting incident of, uh, a mysterious act of violence occurs uh, against the best friend, and that kind of sets in motion uh, the rest of, you know, the rest of the series, the rest of what's going to happen, and also that the town, the location uh, that the action is taking place in. In Veronica Mars, you have Neptune, California. Uh, in Pretty Little Liars, obviously, you have Rosewood, Pennsylvania, uh, which you know Neptune is kind of this sunny beach town. Uh, that has a really dark and seedy underbelly. And similar to PLL where you have you know, Rosewood that seems to be this you know nice uh, safe suburb where all of these dark things are, are kind of going on underneath the surface. And also both towns are really corrupt. Um, the, the structure of the town, the police, uh, et cetera, are, are all really uh, not geared to serve uh, the needs of teenage girls. What were what were some of the other points that you felt like the show kind of maybe converged or shared a little bit of its origin with PLL?
1: Mm. Well, you know, I mentioned that uh, Lily Kane, that's sort of Veronica Mars's version of, of Alison De Laurentiis, the dead best friend. She shares a lot of DNA with Allie uh she had various entanglements with older people she was always sort of dropping these cryptic clues about what uh might be going on in her life and things that veronica will later reflect back on much in the same way that the liars do with allison uh, but i think uh, a, a big theme in both shows is sort of this idea that um the world is kind of always out to get you as a teenage girl and nobody's really on your side. So you kind of have to just like take the mystery of your life, take the corruption of your life into your own hands and kind of just figure it out on your own. And that's certainly what the liars end up doing as they feel like they can't trust the police and you know, even their own parents. And that's very much what Veronica does, even though Veronica has very sort of different parental relationships, really than any of the liars. Probably, the, uh, probably uh, her relationship with her dad is most like Hannah's relationship with Ashley. Um, but uh, yeah, in just in terms of like that the, the adults are not really behaving the way that you would maybe want the adults to behave. So as the teenage character having to kind of step into this role that you might not be ready for, but you actually develop quite the affinity for.
0: Yes, and when you talk about Lily Kane being kind of a, a proto allison De Laurentiis, I think that the show's treatment of Lily uh, and PLL's treatment of allison, uh, they're both really similar because the mystery is ostensibly about what happened to this character, but a lot of the investigative work tends to be about the mystery of who this person was. How well do you really know this person who in life you thought you knew extremely well yeah
1: and and uh Veronica Mars a show that i think is is in l- a lot of ways committed to being a little bit darker than PLL they don't walk back any of the Lily Kane reveals it's not like you think that Lily Kane was sleeping with all of these older men and then you're like oh no just kidding they were writing a book <laughs> about her like you know like the the people who are the people who are bad the people who are sort of targeting Lily Um, and the people that Lily was involved in are like that, that stays, that stays true throughout her character arc.
0: Now let's talk a little bit about the, um, the idea that Lily is involved, uh, with a variety of people. And actually, I think that that's one thing, uh, that I'm really glad they allow Lily to do. Lily has, uh, you know, when she's alive, her, uh on again off again boyfriend is logan eccles who this is going to be like a spoilerific podcast so if you haven't seen veronica mars yet you might want to um you might want to go watch seasons one and four and then come back (laughs) and uh and listen to us talk about the rest of it but um her on again off again boyfriend is logan eccles uh who is kind of the the rich asshat next door uh who spoiler alert later becomes a love interest for veronica um, so she's involved with Logan. Uh, she also has kind of a, a, side, uh, a side hustle, uh, affair going with, uh, the, uh, leader of a local biker gang, uh, Weevil Eli Navarro. Uh, and she is also, uh, involved with, uh, an older guy who turns out to, um, to have some, some pretty n- bad motivations. Um, how and I, I like that Lily is allowed to have all of those relationships. I like that they don't walk it back and they don't slut shame her. Uh, they really, you know, they really just like put it out there as like, this is all a part of who Lily is. This is part of who Lily was. And Veronica, as her best friend, never really has any judgment for her as she finds out about these other uh, these other entanglements that she had.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I I would agree. Um, it, it's interesting because me, I don't know if it's that the actors were any older than the actors on PLL. They probably. I mean, I, I'm guessing Amanda Seyfried was significantly older than than Sasha was on the early seasons of PLL. But Lily just she seems older than Allison, even though they're probably roughly the same age in terms of like what they're supposed to be playing. She just, she seems older in a way that feels sort of correct. I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if that holds for you. It's just a thought as we were talking about her.
0: Yeah. Well, we should also mention that flashbacks uh, to when Lily Kane was alive also have kind of an Instagram filter to them. Uh, They also have this kind of like blue tinted, uh, you know, like, different lighting situation going on uh, so like that's kind of a hilarious uh comparison to to PLL also um you know when you're when you're being memorialized from the afterlife you get this special <laughs> uh this special like uh, I, I don't know this like I don't know if it's like an angel filter or if it's uh if it's just like a dead friend filter but um <laughs> it's, it's it's there for both of them um, but I think that Lily is older than Veronica. She's like a year older, which is interesting because on PLL they're also supposed to be the—they're sa- all supposed to be basically the same age. But Allison uh, is just kind of always putting on this woman of the world act.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, and I mean, gosh, there's there's so many there's so many sort of avenues to go down in terms of the parallels between the shows, things that things that Veronica Mars maybe did more or less successfully than PLL. Um, Where,
0: where, where should we go from here? Well, I would like to talk about the men, uh, the older men who are part of both universes in both worlds. uh, It seems like it's really not that big of a deal for an adult man to become involved in a teenage girl. In fact, both shows have cops that do this. Garrett gets involved, Uh, with Jenna Holbrook kisses Hannah um, you know etc and on Veronica Mars we have uh, Leo who's one of the deputies who winds up uh, dating Veronica for a short period of well I don't know if it's even a short period of time who winds up being a love interest for Veronica who she becomes involved with so both shows uh, in that world it seems like it is a not uncommon thing but Uh, One of the things that happens on Veronica Mars is that uh, the older dude who Lily Kane is involved with, who uh, their relationship goes south when she discovers that he is uh, taping their sexual encounter without her consent. Uh, And that leads to uh, that leads to uh, her stealing the tapes and then him uh, going into a violent rage and murdering her. Uh, in Veronica Mars, that is shown as a character flaw on the part of, uh, on the part of I'm going to say his name, uh, it's Aaron Eccles, it's Logan's father who she is uh, having an affair with. So what do you think about that? Do you think that Veronica Mars does a better job of holding men accountable uh, or an equally sometimes disappointing or a equally uneven job of holding them accountable? What would you say to that? You know, it's hard, right, because
1: Aaron's function in the story ultimately ends up being really different than, like, Prezra's function in the story, for example. Like, Aaron is, is set up as a villainous character. Like, he is a bad guy within the show. Um, Prezra, as much as we know him to be a bad guy, like, he's set up as, like, the, you know, the romantic lead, the love interest guy. And so it's it's hard because... You know, I question, like, is it a matter of, oh, Veronica Mars has, like, a better sense of morality about this kind of thing or a better sense of holding people accountable? Or is it just a, a matter of, like, who needed to fill what fulfill what function within the narrative, you know? Um, because I do think that the case of Officer Leo is a curious one. Um, we're sort of meant to see Leo— at least, Leo sort of feels like the Toby a little bit of uh, of Veronica Mars, you know, like he's just, he's, he's not, there's something likable about him, but he's also not too terribly bright. And he's all too happy for um, Veronica to sort of be taking advantage of him. Is that even though they're in the position of power over her, it's always framed as she's the one taking advantage of him. She's the one manipulating him for information or stealing Things from him, maybe he's more the Lorenzo. Actually, now that I <laughs> now that I say that, um, and so I I I don't know. I, and then they sort of do this thing in the revival where there's like this, um, or maybe it was in the movie. I forget, but there's like a throwaway line or two about like, oh, isn't it creepy that like I was an adult man cop and you were a high school student and we kissed or whatever? Like, haha. And then they like have a really like steamy sex scene dream in season four. So yeah. And it's like, she's the same age as him roughly, you know, the two actors are clearly the same age. So I guess I feel like um, this is a very roundabout answer, but I, I don't, it's hard for me to say that Veronica Mars, like holds men accountable better, especially considering um, some of the things that happened in seasons two and three and the way that all of that went, because like another character who never gets ac- held accountable for anything and is a pretty like awful person. Most of the time
0: is Dick Casablanca's great point. Great point. Um, I think that it's interesting that you mention Veronica and Leo as being sort of a Spencer and Toby ish pairing, because I think the, the common thread there is that Veronica and Spencer are both a lot smarter than their male law enforcement partner. Um, and so it is like on Veronica Mars, I feel like they go out of their way to show that, uh, oh no, he's not taking advantage of her. She's taking advantage of him because of his, uh, because of his police connections at this time. So that's an interesting, it's an interesting point. But, okay, if Aaron Eccles had not murdered Lily, uh, mm-hmm. his, his crimes would be uh, sleeping with a, a girl who was uh, not yet of age, who was uh, significant. I don't know how Aaron, how old Aaron Eccles is supposed to be. I'm going to say late 40s to early 50s. Would you yeah, agree with that? Right. Yeah. Um, I didn't... He's played by uh, Harry Hamlin, right? I didn't look up how old. Uh, he was at the time. He wasn't Jim Cutler on, on Mad Men yet. Um, he was a bit younger. but So he's, he would be sleeping with a girl who was uh, significantly younger, who was underage, and he'd be taping her without her consent. Both of those things uh, are things that we know that Prezra has done, despite their different framing. Um, those are, and, and things that Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that Ian Thomas had done despite the walkbacks Mm -hmm. later on. Sure. Yeah, Yeah.
1: I agree. But, but I think even in that we have the interesting case of like the way that Ian is framed versus the way that Prezra is framed because there's a lot, there are a lot of similarities between Ian and Prezra and one guy, you know, is hung from the bell tower and like pretend suicided and the other guy gets, you know, has his adopted baby and is off married with Aria. So like, I, I, I think that I, I, I think that both shows, like they have a pretty flexible morality when it comes to, to this particular issue. Um, I think that Aaron Eccles, like there's, there are, he has those two things, but like there are a bunch of things about Aaron Eccles that frame him as a villain. I mean, he beats his son. He's, um you know, he's, an alcoholic he's not not that, not that that's a character flaw but it's sort of painted as a character flaw within the show um there are many things that point to him like sort of being labeled as unstable or bad or dangerous um beyond beyond his relationship with lily i think
0: yeah so one of the things that i really like about veronica mars although i i don't love the way it ended uh, is that Aaron Eccles goes on trial for the murder of Lily Kane, and uh, through a series of unfortunate uh, but likely incidents, he winds up being acquitted. Even though we, as the audience, uh, there's not any question that he is guilty. Uh, and I, I, think that that speaks to how PLL also exists in this space where, like, justice through the criminal justice system probably doesn't exist. Like, no men ever go on trial for killing Allison. Or for any of their misdeeds that they commit against the women of Rosewood, uh, the only person we ever see be on trial is Allison for killing Mona, who, of course, is not really dead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, the, the
1: the subtitle of PLL really could have just been the trial of Allison De Laurentiis. You
0: know, I mean,
1: <laughs> that's ultimately what it what it sort of became about. But um, no, I I agree. I think that. Um, it's, it's interesting because after season one, it really felt like we could have not seen Aaron Eccles anymore, you know, or he could have died in the big sort of standoff um, at the end of that season. Uh, but the way that, uh, like, one thing that I don't love about the way that his character ends is that I, I don't love that he gets this sort of, um, sort of gentleman's death, in a sense, like, he's like, He's, like, smoking a cigar. He's, like, just had sex with Charisma Carpenter, I think. He's, like, watching himself on TV. And he gets, like, a bullet in the back of the head. And we don't even get the... He doesn't even, like, get the indignity of us seeing his dead body. Like, it's just, like, a, an artful splatter of blood. And, you know, good night, sweet prince. And... Um, but, I, but I do agree with you that I, I think that the the... Showing us the trial first of all, really serves to kind of like double down on the um, just corruption of Neptune um, and the corruption of the criminal justice system in general. But uh, it it also is really an interesting kind of um, place to take that character and that storyline.
0: Yes, I, I do agree about the gentleman's death, uh, which I guess that is something... Uh, That is something that PLL didn't really do for its male characters who, who got killed. Uh, You know, Garrett dies pretty gruesomely. Wilden is found, you know, in the trunk of his, is he found in the trunk of his patrol car? He's he's found dead after the fetal pig is in the trunk of his patrol car at any rate, Um, you know, and, and yeah, Ian, you know, Ian gets a couple of different uh, pretty, pretty brutal looking death scenes. Um, but yeah, Veronica Mars really does do that for Aaron Eccles, uh, in a way that's like not entirely equitable considering that Lily Kane, uh, you know, had her head bashed in with an ashtray, uh, on the cement next to the pool, uh, because of him. So that is definitely, yeah, that's definitely kind of a a questionable note for that show. Yeah, but I, it
1: it's in general I think that he is held accountable to a degree um that 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 PLL didn't wasn't really didn't really seem that interested in engaging in. I mean, I I think I I mentioned before like I think that Veronica Mars was more interested in engaging in in sort of the dark side of humanity in a in like the real way not in the like fun creepy a way you know like I feel like Mm PLL you know PLL would engage in like the dark side of of a but it was like we don't really want to deal with like mental health issues or it's like PLL would be you know make make Charlotte this this villain and have her give her whole villain speech but it's like we don't really want to like Use the word "trans" or like talk about like her being a. Tra- it's like the the real world issues of these characters. The show wasn't very interested in engaging in, and I actually think that Veronica Mars, for better or for worse, often for worse, like often did kind of engage in like weird degrees in some ways, like like the season three uh, campus rape storyline, for example.
0: Uh, that that made me really glad that Pll had in general stayed clear of rape related plot lines. I was really grateful for that throughout the run of the show because I feel like the writers would not have handled that well. and the Veronica Mars writers uh, who were it was mainly a male writer's room on that show and it really shows uh, in that season three storyline I do not recommend season three to anyone. <laughs> I feel like it can be skipped completely with no loss to your enjoyment of the show.
1: Yes, yes, I, I, you know, I needed to see it for myself. I needed to like walk through that walk through that dark valley on my own, and <laughs> and and I can confirm. Um, yes, that is a that is a terrible, terrible season of television. Um, and and just sort of like shockingly bad after after watching what had come previously. It's like, wow, this just really, really went off, off a cliff here.
0: Yes. Uh, now, how do you feel about the resolution of the Lily Kane plotline versus the resolution of the Alison De Laurentis plotline? Uh, I mean, I feel like Veronica Mars is the kind of show that is just more invested in tying up its loose ends. But I feel like the fact that Lily remains dead uh, really like Veronica is able to get closure on that in a way that the liars are never able to really get closure on Allison and what happened to Allison.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, we've talked about this before, but like the shows, like con- the show meaning PLLs, like continued need to have the will they won't they have is Allison alive or not? What happened to Allison? What happened on that night? Um, it just was like, it was just endless, you know? And, and I think there, it's such a weird thing. It's like the idea that if you tie up a mystery, people won't want to watch anymore. And I, I mean, I guess for the sake of Veronica Mars, that that was kind of true because the ratings were really bad. But, um, but I, I think that the way that they tied up the mystery on Veronica Mars was great. I mean, it was really satisfying. I think that the final um, sort of moment of, of peace where I'm trying to remember exactly how it ends, where they're like, they're like floating in a pool together or they're like by the pool or something, Veronica and Lily. And it's like, finally, Veronica um, can let Lily go. And that, you know, that doesn't mean that she doesn't still, of course have grief and, and, and so much sort of sadness about the whole situation, but she can feel like Lily has finally been put to rest.
0: How do you feel about, um, the potential, uh, how do you feel about Lily Kane as, uh, a possible queer character, uh, and, and how do you think it compares to Allison's, uh, potential queerness during the first couple of seasons of PLL? Oh, I
1: mean, I think you could definitely read Lily as a queer character. I think that, that, um, the relationship that she has with Veronica feels very electric and dynamic. And like, there could be a lot of layers there. Um, I think that Lily's sort of like unbridled sexuality is, seems to be a part of what Veronica finds so compelling about her. Um, And I, I mean, I'm sure that we will get into this, but like Veronica feels like a very queer character as well. Um, in, in a, in a similar way to Spencer Hastings, I think. And so it's, yeah, I, I think that they have really, really interesting chemistry together. And I think Veronica has really compelling chemistry with most of the women on the
0: show. A hundred percent, a hundred percent agree, uh, with that. Like, like Spencer and like Troyan for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like Veronica has like a lot of shippy vibes with Lily as well as with, uh with Meg and also particularly with Mac I've always been a big Veronica Mac shipper so <laughs> and also uh I think that Veronica suffers the Spencer Hastings fate as well in that a lot of the guys that she's paired with uh in terms of her pairing with Duncan Kane certainly and um oh man I'm not even going to be able to remember the character's name off the top of my head but the guy who um Uh, On television without pity, they always called him Ice Twin because he has a twin brother who is, like, Iceman in (laughs) one of the Marvel movies. But uh, the other O-Niner that she dates. um, Oh, the first guy? Yeah, who, like, his dad's car gets stolen in Tijuana.
1: White blindness for those first few episodes between him and Duncan. Like, I (laughs) I just, I just, I just, like, could not. Could not tell those two apart. Um yes, I know who you're talking about. I think his name begins with a T. Hmm.
0: Well, okay, that guy, um, that she's paired with Duncan, who she's paired with, and also Leo to a degree, um, are just guys that she really does not seem to have a lot of chemistry with at all. What do you think about her uh relationship with Piz? Oh, I would put that on the same <laughs> on the same scale. Like I, I feel like Um, And, you know, one of the things that Veronica Mars did really well as a show was uh, it allowed you, like, you don't always have to want the same things that Veronica wants. Like, during the first season, Veronica, uh, her mother has left her and her dad. She's gone off. You don't know exactly what's going on with her. Veronica really wants her mom to come home. She wants her mom to come home and for them to be a family again. And the viewer... Uh, is not really coached to want that. But it's okay because you understand why Veronica does. Like, you understand Mm -hmm. what Veronica's motivation for being invested in that is. Uh, And I think they do a really good job with that. But when when you wind up in the third season and Piz comes around as a love interest, I have no idea what Veronica sees in him. Um, I don't know why she wants that. Not only do I not root for it, but it, it seems pretty unfathomable to me.
1: Troy. The boy's name was Troy. Oh, the there we time. go.
0: You, I, were, you were right with the T. Up. I looked it up. Um,
1: yeah, I, I agree. And and it it seems like uh, Veronica Mars sort of went the, the route that so many shows do where they loved their central couple. They wanted a lot of drama around their central couple. And in doing that, they started just sort of writing them weirdly. And, you know, Veronica... I think that their relationship is really fascinating in season four, but I think in, in, in seasons two and three, the, Veronica feels very inconsistent. Logan feels very inconsistent. Um, and maybe we can talk a little bit about sort of their relationship um, in comparison to some of the couples on pretty little liars
0: their sort of overall art. Yes, I would love to do that. So Logan Eccles and Veronica Mars, kind of have this star-crossed lovers dynamic uh, going for them. Uh, You know, their relationship is volatile. It's, you know, tempestuous. uh, And there's this sense of inevitability to their pairing, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, the show does its best to, like, throw obstacles of why they're not going to be together right now or, you know, what's going to be going on instead. But there's not really a lot of doubt as you're watching uh, seasons one, two, and three. Uh, there's not much doubt that the two of them are the ones who are, you know, the OTP, the ones who are really meant to, to be together. And I feel like, um, I mean, I feel like you wind up with that same sense of inevitability with a lot of the PLL ships, mm-hmm. uh, and that they, do that they do that in the same way, like without regard to whether those characters really seem like they would make sense Mm long-term um whether they would be a good pairing they're just the end game um and I think that that becomes really interesting and I'm sure we'll talk about this in just a second it becomes really interesting when you think about what each show did uh after the characters were older and more adult
1: yeah yeah I I agree I totally agree I think that um I think that there in particular, I would say that I think that Logan and Veronica shares a lot of DNA with Haleb and Spoby, but especially Haleb, I think in terms of um, that idea of a couple that had so much sort of um, heat for one another and so much like the drive of being together was the adrenaline of uh, you know, living in the wake of tragedy, living in a world where you might not see tomorrow, you know, and so you better make today count and all of that. Uh, and then when life had to go out and be in the real world and, and, you know, being a grown up and living together and, you know, co owning a dog and all of that, it's like things get a little bit more complicated. And I think that, um, I, I just thought that the work that they did with Veronica and Logan in season four was fascinating. And it was so much what I wished PLL had done
0: with their, you know, quote, couples. Yes, I totally agree. And that was actually one of the things that made me encourage you to watch Veronica Mars was because I wanted someone to talk about Uh, how Veronica Mars handled the time jump where they aged the characters. They had to age the characters because, of course, the actors had gotten older in in real life. But I thought it was so fascinating how uh, looking at Veronica and Logan being together in their 30s looks so much different than Veronica and Logan being together when they're in high school and how they really played with the idea that like, when you stay or when you keep coming back to this person who is important to you in your youth, like the way that that ties you to who you used to be, the way that that might be inhibiting your growth as a person, uh, the fact that you would kind of come together in the wake of this tragedy, the way that being in that relationship is a way of staying tied to that trauma Um, I just felt like they did such a fascinating job uh, really examining that relationship, examining what it looks like for Logan to be in therapy, for Logan to be working to like grow and and get past, you know, who his dad was, what his dad did, what happened to Lily and and everything else along the way. Um, I thought that was just a a fascinating, interesting decision and it gave the characters uh, so much more depth and so much more story to them. I completely agree and, and
1: what's what's really interesting is like um, Veronica is so sort of resistant to the change you know she was the she was the character during the series who was urging Logan to change and yet in this version in this season four version of her she's she feels like the more emotionally immature one of the two of them and I You know, it's like, it's like, what could have been like, I would have so loved to see um, a storyline like that with Spencer, for example, you know, like Spencer, um, Spencer, gosh, it's hard for me to picture like Toby, like going to therapy and getting all like, emotionally healthy and being like, (laughs) Um, maybe, you know, maybe in a version where like, Spencer and Caleb got together um and dur- like earlier or something and we were checking in on them a year or so into the relationship during the time jump or you know or may- or maybe it would be hannah and caleb it-, it could be really any combination of the characters um but that idea of um trying to kind of hold on to this part of yourself um that really is not a healthy part to be holding on to anymore
0: Yeah, I think that that would have been so interesting uh, from the perspective of any of the PLL couples. And I will say we got a version of that with Spencer and Toby when Spencer has the pregnancy scare, when we get the flashback. And we actually have Spencer and Toby talking about what they want for, for themselves. And Spencer kind of wants this life that's in D.C., that's involved in politics that's advancing her career in the direction that she sees it going in and toby really feeling like well if you dropped out of school and we just like lived in my trailer with this baby that would be fine that's you know that's good enough isn't it and spencer's like that's that's their irreconcilable difference uh and then the show doesn't really do anything with that like except that i guess spencer decides that's not necessary for her anymore
1: yeah yeah exactly exactly and it's kind of i mean it's it's unfortunate that that kind of moment was relegated to just a flashback and in fact i think that there's that there's glimmers of this in a, in a number of the flashbacks because i think that some of the hannah and caleb flashbacks show this as well um i think that god Arya and ezra do they even i don't even know that i don't know if presria actually got any flashbacks
0: no, because they weren't together. We, we get the blue-tinted uh, book flashback of him uh, storming away from Nicole in his mad pout. And then we get some Aria-Jason flashbacks.
1: Oh, what could have been? There's so much weird <laughs> stuff. Oh, God. I mean, there's so much weird stuff in the PLL flashbacks that I'm like, why didn't you tell us that story? Like the whole Emily and Page thing. It's like... Yeah, yeah they don't they don't get a flashback they didn't even. even get a flashback but it's like they had this whole relationship story that we learned about it in like two sentences and and like yeah PLL um the time jump everything after the time jump it's like oh um <laughs> but but yeah no I I think that you know I wonder if it's just if it's like them feeling beholden to like the shipperdom, dumb, because it really, I think a really interesting thing about the whole Veronica Mars, like the, the revival of Veronica Mars is that they did this very bold, very controversial move where spoiler alert, spoiler alert. They killed off Logan. They killed off the, the male member of their ship. And a lot of people were really upset about it. Um, and, you know, it's it's like if PLL had killed off Caleb or Ezra or Toby, you know, um,
0: what could have been? The thing that I like, I, I like the decision that they made uh, to kill off Logan. Uh, the thing that I like the most about it is that they did so much work on him throughout season four. And they did so much work on Veronica and Logan as a couple. And who are they? And should they be together? And what is it going to look like? The the season. Uh, one of the first things that happens in the season is that Logan suggests that they get married. He has a ring. Um, mm-hmm. Veronica, like Veronica, is extremely skittish. Veronica says no, uh, despite the fact that they've obviously been together on and off since they were teenagers. She doesn't want to take a next step. And it seems like Logan may have proposed in order to push the issue, in order to say, are we moving forward? And if we're not moving forward, should we still continue to be in this relationship? So they they do all this work on the relationship, and then once they've decided yes, we are going to go forward, we are going to be together, then that's when they kill Logan off. And I feel like uh, in a way they do that because the story has it's come to its natural conclusion. Like there aren't more interesting possibilities for the relationship they really did uh all the work they could do they got all of it that they could out there and I think that it's it's necessary for Veronica to move forward uh to not have this relationship with Logan always keeping her in the same space
1: yeah you know I I I don't disagree with anything that you said I I in the immediate aftermath of, of watching the death, I had a, a slightly different feeling about it. I sort of felt like um, like it was just kind of heaping more tragedy on Veronica and also had the potential for us to go kind of a, a Maya St. Germain route where he just got sort of immortalized as like her perfect boyfriend and some of the great like complicated dynamics that we had seen playing out over the last season might get a little bit sanded over in sort of future reflections about him. Um, and, and, you know, I think it remains to be seen sort of how that all plays out if the show comes back for season five, which I, I don't know if that's confirmed or not. But um, I I agree with you that I, I think that, um, A, I just think that there's something very bold about, pulling this move, uh, killing off a male character the way so many female characters have been killed off um, basically for the sake of Veronica's growth, but a character who, you know, unlike Maya, for example, had been given the opportunity to grow and change a lot. Um, and, and wasn't just simply a, a pawn in, in the game, so to speak. Um, and, and there's really a sense of possibility. It's like, okay what happens now these two are not are not tied to each other um in, in this life and so where where do we go from here how does veronica's journey extend um and the show also like did some really interesting things in terms of um uh, characters like nicole for example
0: yes yes new characters who were introduced just for season four uh who also seemed to push veronica in new directions <laughs>
1: new queer directions yeah it
0: it makes me wonder
1: if like do you think that if pll if the pll time jump like let's say you know all things being equal let's say that pll had had they hadn't just had like the half season to do the time jump let's say that they'd that they'd maybe like they'd had a full year or even like a couple of years like in some weird world where they like went off the air for a couple of years and then came back um if they had come back and done the time jump had really gotten to think it through and had done it like maybe ten or ten hour long episodes the the full the full seasons or the the or the you know the sort of little half seasons do you think that they might have perhaps been more successful if they'd been able to if they'd been able to do something like bring in a new character and really like dig into that new character and not have it be like you know, Liam or Clark or sort of one of the weird nameless sort of personality-less dudes.
0: Oh God, it took like half a season to just clear the decks of those (laughs) terrible, those terrible extra boyfriends um, who were never, like, who never seemed like they were going to be anything. When I was actually thinking about this, I was thinking maybe what PLL did wrong was that it, it, it made it too short of a jump they jumped just when they were out of college. Maybe yeah. they should have jumped to, I, they obviously didn't have any compunction about putting the characters in really ugly wigs. Uh, so they <laughs> could have just, you know, they they could have aged them up more. I would have liked to have seen the Liars in their thirties. And if they really wanted this teen reboot, why not make the Liars the moms? And they all have kids who or, are like the, the new, yeah, yeah. The, you know, they're, they're the new generation. I feel like that might've been, a a little bit more interesting i agree I, i also
1: think having the liars be in 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 worse places when we picked up with them i mean we pick up with all of them and they're all just i mean other than emily they're all just kind of successful and more or less happy and it's like okay
0: so you know well, and one of the things that I love about the Veronica Mars treatment of the time jump is it doesn't shy away from the fact that Lily Kane's death still haunts both Veronica and Logan. Like, it's not, like, it's not an open wound anymore because so much time has gone by, but uh, there's a scene where uh, Veronica thinks that Logan is becoming basically too, too calm. She feels like he's becoming kind of robotic uh, because he's in therapy and he's trying to really work on controlling his anger. And, uh, he punches, uh, he punches through a wall and then he says like, that's how angry he is all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then there's another scene when Veronica is talking to, uh, a young girl who's had, A life-altering, a life-altering experience with uh, the violent death of a loved one, and she asks Veronica about Lily Kane. And Veronica, she asks Veronica if she's still angry about it, and Veronica says, "Every day, Um, she's been angry about it every day since it happened. Uh, It's not anything that you ever, you know, fully." Uh, that Veronica, at least, has has not fully moved past. And I, I like the idea that even though it was so long ago, even though Lily is still dead, even though they know who killed Lily, that mystery has been solved, uh, what happened still echoes and still affects their their current lives. And I feel like the liar's... Uh, they're all in too sunny a place, I feel like, Yeah. Um, when when it comes back. And maybe that's a lie too. Maybe no one is doing as well as they seem to be doing. But it just seems like uh, when you've had this, this life-altering experience, uh, it's going to continue to impact you and to influence your decisions even when things are going well.
1: I totally agree. I, I have sort of two thoughts in response to that. One is that I really wished that the time jump on PLL had uh, like we, when we had come back and they sort of hinted at this, but that they had really, really dug into this idea that like the liars are not as close as they once were, that like Mm -hmm. their relationships are somewhat fractured. Maybe even, you know, some combination of them has had a falling out because away from Rosewood, away from sort of the weight of a um, things might've drifted and they sort of have to figure out how to rebuild their friendships um, without that external pressure um i i I felt like the show sort of vaguely implied that in some ways, but then it got sort of swept into the whole like Haleb Spaleb thing, and it just ugh but my other thought is that because Veronica Mars provided um a succinct, complete ending to the Lily Kane mystery it's like it's clear what is being grieved there. Like it's clear that like they're grieving the death of Lily. They're grieving sort of the betrayal of Aaron and there's like, you know, the the corruption of the police. Like there's, there's, it's clear like what the grief is about. Whereas the mystery on BLL, it's like Alison's whole thing is so complicated. And then every resulting mystery or murder is so convoluted and complicated that it's like, what even is the grief? What even are we grieving? How do we even approach the grief here? You know, maybe the most straightforward was Maya's death, but even that, um, or Wayne's death perhaps, but even, even both of those deaths um, it, I, I, were not handled in such a way that sort of maximized the impact that they theoretically should have had on the characters.
0: Oh yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree with that. Well, plus you never, because the A game is such a constant presence, there's never any time to really assess, like, do they forgive Allison for disappearing, for having Noel Kahn come into Hannah's house with a knife, for all of the different things that she's done and, right. you know, and, and the, the drama and the chaos that she's created over time. Uh, and I think that like one really natural, uh, sticking point would be Emily still being in love with her and the other liars, uh, feeling like, how, how can, how can this be a thing? How can you still be choosing her? Um, but, but again, the show just never really gave that relationship, um, enough staying power, I guess, or enough development to make that, uh, to make that like an overt, uh, you know, an overt breaking point for them.
1: Yeah, I I completely agree. And the like, I, I think it would have been really interesting if, um, if Caleb and Spencer had hooked up without Hannah's blessing before the time jump. Like, if they had hooked up in Spain, and we got that whole, we got that whole reveal. Or even if you know. Not that I'm like wanting more Presria, but even if like Aria and Ezra had 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 an affair when Aria was already with Liam and she had never told the other liars about it or something, you know, just like raising the stakes a little bit, um, letting the liars be a little bit, a little bit less, you know, like, quote unquote, likable in certain ways, which is part of the genius of season four of Veronica Mars is that like Veronica is often not really likable like she's not making good choices she's not always terribly sympathetic but she's consistently a fascinating character and you still root for her because you're invested in her story and and you can sort of understand her damage
0: yeah well you know when you were talking about uh, logan's death piling more misery on veronica i feel like that's another spencer parallel because by the time we get to the later seasons spencer is just like you know, she's, she's losing her love interest. She's getting shot. Her parents aren't really her parents, like anything, uh, anything that really like the, the eventual uh, Uber villain turns out to be her twin that has this bad accent that she never knew existed before. It's like a whole, it's, it's just like this whole mess of things. Uh, But I feel like one of the traits that Veronica and Spencer really share uh, and that they share with like other uh, other characters in like a lot of noir uh, young adult shows now, like I would say like with Betty on Riverdale or with the new Nancy Drew, they have this like can't stop, won't stop element to their personality. Like Mm -hmm. once once they're on the trail, uh, this is their pattern and they are. Completely incapable of uh, of not finding out the answer, no matter what the cost to them is going to be.
1: Right, and and that and that it, that gets to the point of a, a really some really sort of self destructive tendencies and um, a real sort of alienation of the people close to them.
0: Yeah, there's a great scene in season four of Veronica Mars when Veronica. Uh, has actually like developed like a new friendship that has some interesting undertones uh, with Nicole, who's a new character who owns uh, a, a bar in Neptune. and Veronica's dad is suspicious of Nicole. He thinks that uh, they should investigate her by bugging her office, which Veronica Veronica places the bug in the office and then Veronica uh, tasks herself with listening to everything that's going on in the office. And at one point she tells her dad uh, that, you know, he's not her boss, like they're they're partners. And actually Veronica is kind of the more capable hand in the investigative unit at this point. But she tells him that it's making her feel like sad and, and dirty to keep listening to this. Uh, at one point she's just listening to, to Nicole have sex with one of the bartenders who, for the record, every bartender we ever see at Captain Quacks is, uh, or Comrade Quacks is female. Uh, But anyway, Veronica has been listening to this and her dad says, well, you you don't have to, like, you can trust your instincts. You can set it down and you see Veronica consider it. And then you see her put the headphones back on. And Mm -hmm. I feel like Spencer Hastings would, would do like, you could substitute Spencer in that scene and it would be the exact same outcome.
1: It's yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, when you were talking about that, it was making me think about Buffy And it was making me think about, you know, the the multiple times throughout Buffy where Buffy will say some variation of like, I would love to just put this down and go to the mall and be a normal girl. And but I can't like I'm you know, somebody has to save the world again. Somebody has to, you know, slay the next vampire and how there's almost this way in which both Veronica and Spencer have anointed themselves with that sort of chosen one mentality of like. Buffy like literally is the chosen one right like I think Buffy genuinely uh, a part of the tension of her character is like there's a huge part of it that does want to put it all down and Spencer and Veronica I think are two characters who like have so internalized the message that they're the ones who have to solve the mystery that they're the ones who have to get to the you know get to the finish line get to the bottom line um, that they are making these choices but it's almost like
0: they, they don't even,
1: they feel like there isn't even a choice to be made.
0: And that's so interesting because both of these shows are about teenage girls coming of age in a world that is very hostile to teenage girls because of the patriarchy and because of, uh, you know, humanity in general being somewhat of a letdown sometimes, uh, particularly in the Veronica Mars world. Um, and it's so interesting that these are both characters like Spencer and Veronica are young women who were trying to like forge their own path. They would both tell you that they're intent on doing that and yet they wind up um they wind up in a place where uh they don't really even believe that they have choices anymore because of this like sunk cost fallacy that they've already uh, you know they've already invested so much somebody has to be spencer hastings nobody else showed up for the job right. uh, when spencer tried to set it down like if veronica doesn't listen to what's going on in that office no one is going to be listening and what if there's a clue you know
1: sure exactly yeah it's like this 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 comes before anything else right like this this is this is everything
0: it's like the mystery and the, the act of solving the mystery is the bad boyfriend. Like, it's the thing sure. that these girls just can't quit. And if you look, if you actually, like, Spencer has a lot of kind of bad boyfriends. Veronica has a perpetually bad boyfriend uh, in Logan. Uh, you know, look look at Betty on Riverdale has, you know, <laughs> Jughead, who's certainly a bad writer, if nothing else. <laughs> but um... he's, a, he's a weirdo, okay? <laughs> look at his hat.
1: I don't watch Riverdale, by the way. I watch like the first season or part of it, and
0: I, that's a show that I watched because you told me to. And I, I, I also I'm quit sorry. The first why, season. Did I, why did I tell you to watch that show? I can't you remember. liked it. I did like it, and then
1: <laughs> and then I just couldn't. I could. I didn't even make it. I didn't even make it to Cheryl
0: coming out as queer. I I stuck with it through that part because I really uh, I liked that. I like that character development, but now I'm down to just like reading fanfic and watching some of their scenes on YouTube. <laughs>
1: it was it was Jughead in the stupid hat. I
0: mean, that was a- <laughs> that was what did me in. I mean, it's just like Jughead is going to grow up to become Prezra. Hashtag um- facts. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, it, the the line between Jughead to Presra to Byron Montgomery, like it's like it's like, <laughs> like, like just like an age progression of one man. Like it's they're not even separate. People.
0: It's true. It's true. When he's Byron's age, he's going to be wearing that beanie because of his receding hairline.
1: <laughs> oh God! Oh God! Does that mean that <laughs> Betty is going to be like um, what was her girlfriend who he Maggie? Who he like? Uh, uh, Betty's gonna like have a child that is so clearly not <laughs> not a uh, Jughead's child, and then in twenty years or ten years, pass it
0: off. As uh, I mean, I can only hope that Betty and Veronica do what like Serena and Blair on Gossip Girl should have done, and just like run off to be fabulous together, uh, leaving all the dudes behind.
1: Yes, yes, it's true. Um, let's let's
0: start a new. Great. Okay, so another thing that I think a lot of these shows have in common, and, and we we're kind of talking about, um, you know, not only Pretty Little Liars and Veronica Mars, but also some of these new shows like Riverdale, or Nancy Drew, or even the new Batwoman, uh, which I know you're not a big.
1: Uh, I've actually watched the first three episodes, of, or the yeah, first three episodes of it. Yes.
0: Oh, Great. So, like all of these, uh, all of these shows, kind of. Uh, deal in the idea that to find out who you are as a young adult uh, to find your place in the world you may need to uh, investigate and wind up confronting uh, the darkness of your own origin and your own family right right which
1: I, I think is such a fascinating sort of metaphor for like um basically becoming an adult and um, or even like going through therapy and recognizing all the ways in which like your family and who you were raised shows up in your life now and sort of has impacted the way that you relate to the world every single day.
0: Yeah. And I think that that's like Spencer winds up having to really investigate and interrogate uh, her identity and who she is. Uh, I feel like Emily And Allison has to interrogate who they are, certainly, uh, Mm -hmm. as does, you know, as does Charlotte, um, as do really the rest of the Hastings. Um, And then Veronica, of course, has to reckon with, um, you know, there's there's a plot line during the first season of is Keith, who she has such a close relationship with, is he her biological father? Um, Mm -hmm. Or is Jake Kane her biological father? Was Lily her sister? Um, And and it it goes on from there. Um, Of course, on Riverdale, Betty has had to investigate her family. Uh, On Batwoman, it looks like, uh, you know, Kate Kane has some some work to do on that front. Also, what is it about that kind of storyline that really has so much potential, do you think?
1: Oh, that's a great question. I mean, I think because investigations are always interesting you know and and somebody having to sort of investigate like and I feel like the best version of that is somebody having to investigate their family in a way that sort of forces them to confront their own identity um I think that um like PLL had a really interesting opportunity to kind of do that with Spencer in uh the last season of the show and then it just got all sort of mixed up with the mystery I think in the best moments of like her interactions with Mary Drake, there were definitely sort of uh, shades of that. Um, it's a really fascinating thing to explore with somebody's twin, but when you throw it in at the end and give her a goofy accent, there's just not much space to kind of explore. Um, but I, I think that um, – I think it's because everybody feels sort of haunted by their family. And in one way or another, even if you grow up in a really, you know – happy happy go lucky kind of family I, I mean your family shapes you right or or distance from your family shapes you or you know neglect from your family shapes you or abuse from your family shapes you like the absence of somebody or the presence of somebody um this is how we are right like we are we are shaped by our families and so I think that when you um when you sort of have to investigate that internal family system in a way, that is really fertile ground for some, some really compelling drama. Um, part part of that, too, is I think we're sort of um, – many of us, I think, as as children are kind of conditioned to, like, you don't really question your family. And so there's something that feels like a real marker of adulthood to – be at a place where you can kind of question your family or realize that your parents might not be right all the time or things like that. And when you take it to that heightened, dramatic place of somebody literally investigating, not just questioning their family, but investigating their family or doubting their family, um, it it sort of ramps up the metaphor in a way that I think uh, when executed well can be very powerful.
0: Yeah, I I definitely agree with all of that. And I also think that like, the point at which these stories take place, like, in your late teens, in your early adult years, I think that that's a time period when you're making a lot of choices about who your chosen family is. And so it's also, it's in a weird way, it's a time when you're sort of having to decide whether or not you're going to re-up with your biological family Mm -hmm. or with the family who raised you, like, in what ways there's going to be an intersection of your chosen family and your biological family. Uh, You know, maybe there is, maybe there isn't. Um, And that that is, you know, for Spencer, the liars become her family in a way that is much more real and more stable uh, than, you know, the, the Hastings family uh, that raised her and, and certainly uh, more stable and sustainable than Mary Drake and Alex Drake, who kind of, pop in as these villainous hand puppets at the end uh, to, to reveal their biological connection to her. Um, But with Veronica Mars, you get, uh, you know, you, you get the, even when she thinks that Keith may or may not be her biological father, she actively chooses him, um, you know, and and she chooses Wallace and she chooses Mac and she chooses, um, you know, a lot of the people who are uh, there and, and with her, through the early seasons to kind of be her chosen family. Uh, and the same on these, I, I think that's an interesting element of it too, is when you're kind of transitioning, um, you're transitioning between like the family you were raised in and the family that you're going to hope to carry with you uh, as you move forward into your adult life. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And I think all of that is, is part of why it feels so Unfortunate and unsatisfying that the liars are not the ones to identify Spencer from Alex Drake. But it is, in fact, Toby, Jenna, and a horse that get that. (laughs) Uh, Also, I think it's really interesting when thinking about uh, Veronica's chosen family that as much as she wants to reunite with her mother, um, her mother, once her mother, like, goes away, you know, once they sort of have their... Have their what is that end of season one or end of season two? End of season one, I believe. End of season one. Her mother is gone, and her mother is gone. Like we do not see her mother again. We do not hear from her mother. Even Brett has and. While, you know, some shows might have really dug into like the loss that Veronica feels about that. I think that 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 season one has her grieving that loss a lot. um, There's really a sense that the family that she has, uh, even in the wake of her mother leaving, is uh, in many ways family enough for her.
0: Yeah, I definitely I definitely think that that's true. Uh, another, so another thing that we kind of talked about as you were going through and you were watching uh, the, the multiple seasons of Veronica Mars, Veronica Mars, uh, in general, had one season-long mystery, and then uh, each individual episode, uh, w- there would often be sort of like a mystery of the week uh, that either revealed a clue or throughout, you know, whatever was happening in that episode, uh, some clue might be revealed that would shed light on the larger season-long mystery. Uh, the exception to this is the abysmal season three, which again, don't watch it, uh, where they they wound up having these sort of like mini mystery arcs uh, that were not well-written or well-conceived or well-executed. Um, but so Veronica Mars generally worked with the season-long mystery uh, and sometimes some mis- you know mystery of the weeks that Veronica was investigating. But one thing that Veronica Mars did believe in, even at its worst points, uh, it believed that mysteries should have solutions. Uh, they should have answers. That should uh, at least be like something that you could explain to a person who had not watched the show in under, let's say, five minutes. <laughs> how how do you think that like impacted your feelings about veronica mars versus pll
1: oh man i mean pll like pll was caught in such a weird place at the end where it was like all anybody wanted was answers and all the show was not going to give us was answers like it was just this 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 like terrible sort of weird feedback loop of you know um it just didn't work um but i i think that yeah, I I think that having answers, like I I think that when you when you refuse to give your audience answers, what that is saying is basically, oh, the story is the resolution. And once we give you the resolution, you're not going to be interested in the story anymore. And that's really sort of not um taking into account that the story is often not the resolution. You know, um i I heard someone say recently that, like, a, people get really caught up in this idea of like a, a story that's a quest. Oh, the quest. characters are going on the quest. And that the quest itself is not like the the actual going and getting the thing or finding the thing. That's not really particularly interesting. We've all seen that a million times. But like the interpersonal relationships and the things that happen and the things that people discover about themselves, that's that's the fertile ground. That's the story. That's the interesting part. And so I think that when you deny your audience a resolution you're making it all about the resolution rather than the fact that there's a lot of story around the investigation and around the resolution itself and having this really sort of linear binary a to b oh we have to like keep pushing b down the hill because once we get to b it's not going to be a story anymore is is just a a weird and really sort of uncreative, I think, way to look at writing uh, writing a mystery. Um, and certainly I think Veronica Mars proved, um, sometimes more successfully than other times, that just because you have a resolution to the mystery does not mean your story is over.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I think that Veronica Mars also demonstrated uh, that just because one mystery is solved doesn't mean you can't launch a second mystery to also engage the audience like I feel like the Lily Kane mystery uh from season one is always going to be probably the the best and most interesting mystery that they did but I feel like the season four mystery was also extremely good uh and I feel like the season two mystery was certainly watchable yeah
1: yeah I agree and I think that um well, I was gonna, I was gonna say something about that. Oh, I was gonna say, you know, the the thing that I like, I, that I have talked about, but that I always, always wanted on PLL, is I wanted a season or a half season without a mystery. I wanted a, I wanted a, a, a section of the show where we were just sort of the liars were just and sort of bond or not bond and sort of figure figure out their next step. And even though, obviously, season four of Veronica Mars has this big mystery plot, it feels like we're sort of getting elements of that, um, the PLL, you know, the after A PLL that I always kind of longed for.
0: Yeah, I definitely, I definitely can see that, especially because Veronica's access point to the season four mystery is like it has echoes of things from her past, but like she is not as personally invested in it as she was in like who killed Lily Kane. Um but I feel like that's that's fine too. And that's also a sign of Veronica being an adult character as opposed to a teenage character. And also you get to see Veronica like taking uh taking a teenager sort of under her wing like in dealing with uh Mm -hmm. you know someone who's a lot like her when she was younger. Uh, which I think is is a really interesting uh, piece of character work that, again, uh, because the Liars only jump through college, that we don't really get to see from them.
1: Yeah, and there's almost this sense of, even though the mystery is is this overarching thing and does have a lot of important sort of ramifications for her life, obviously, especially with, with where Logan is concerned, there's sort of this sense of, like, you're watching Veronica just be veronica you know like you're not watching veronica like you're just watching like this is how veronica solves a mystery this is how veronica goes through her day um and obviously like the point the part of the story that we're seeing is important it's not like we're just seeing like a day in the life but it it has this certain certain feeling of like you're almost i almost felt like I, i knew veronica better after watching that season than i had based on any previous season
0: yeah i would definitely. I would definitely agree with that. Um, like there's, there's that one episode where she's out for a run in the, you know, kind of the the dark hours and she winds up uh, some, some punk tries to mug her and she winds up like tasing him and taking like all of his ill gotten gains away from him and kind of leaving him for the, the police to pick up later and stuff. And uh, like so many things happen to her that day that it's like, it's, like, hours and hours and hours later when she mentions to Logan and her dad, like, that kid's name comes up in another investigation, and she's like, oh, that kid? He he tried to mug me, and everyone is like, what? <laughs> exactly. Exactly.
1: Well, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off.
0: No, that's it. Just that, like, yeah. so many other things happened that that's, like, not even on Veronica's radar as having been important. Well, I I
1: totally agree and I think that um a, a, you know, and some of this is because it it was it went from being a network show to being a Hulu show. And so um it got to kind of um get a little grittier, but like I think there's an episode where somewhat casually Veronica like does ecstasy, isn't that? Yes. Yes, and- there is. Yeah. And it's not a big thing of like Veronica's doing drugs or like, what's like, it's kind of, it's kind of implied that this is like not her first experience like this. And I really loved that because you're not expecting it. I mean, it's, it's not, you know, outside of, you know, like euphoria, you don't really see people doing ecstasy on, on TV that often, especially like, uh, you know, a, a woman who's Veronica's age and sort of in Veronica's situation. Um, but I loved that that character choice, and they didn't like put a big lampshade on it and be like, "See, she is, you know, crazy or whatever." But it just, it just worked really well. And I, again, it's like, oh my God, what could have been? Like, I so would have loved, uh, like, a scene in, um, in in the time jump of PLL where like all the liars are out or something, and Spencer like starts popping pills, and it's like clear that this is like just what Spencer does now and obviously that like that it would become part of her character you know what what where she's going with that or whatever but it it's again like letting the characters be dark letting them make more mistakes and sort of giving us the impression that a lot has changed for their lives since we last saw them on screen i think that that was something that veronica mars wasn't afraid to do and that pll Again, maybe maybe be partially because it was like off the air for six months rather than you know ten years or or however long Veronica Mars had been, but um, it, it it's like they were afraid to fully go there, and and I think they suffered for it.
0: Yeah. Uh, point of order, also uh, the character who offers the ecstasy to Veronica Mars is Nicole, uh, the bartender slash uh queer-coded love interest uh which you know just 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 totally normal you know just just two heterosexual gal pals just you know hanging out offering ecstasy to each other (laughs) as you you do just just another just another tuesday (laughs) oh man um But yeah, so I feel like uh, the main thing about Veronica Mars that really put me in mind of PLL was the time jump and just how much better executed I thought it was. And also I found myself, you know, I had really loved season one of Veronica Mars. I had been let down by kind of the subsequent uh, seasons and I I backed the Kickstarter movie uh, when it was coming out, but I I wound up not really loving, uh, not really loving where that movie went. Uh, but I feel like the, the season of four that we got really made me appreciate uh, how much I loved these characters and how much I loved checking back in on them uh, at later points in their lives. And so that leads me to a question of, like, if PLL were to try to come back, like, 10 years oh. from now and show us, like, where the Liars are when they're in their 30s, I, I would probably still watch it, as disappointed as I've been, uh, particularly if it came back as a Hulu show, particularly if Marlene's input was limited. Um, what, what do you think that would look like? Well,
1: okay, my first question back to you is, Marlene's, Marlene's input is limited. Who do you put in charge of that? Who do you, who, whose hands do you trust that is.
0: Troyan. <laughs> I would make Troyan write it and direct it <laughs> the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or I mean, or like we could write it and and try and direct <laughs> it. That would, that would be fine too.
1: Okay, okay. Um, i'm I'm all for that. uh that is a really fascinating question. I mean, I, I think that' that Spencer would just. Like Spencer should be unraveled at this point. I mean, she's gone through such a huge identity crisis. And um, I, I, as much as I've like poo-pooed the whole elopement storyline with Toby, I actually think that there's a way in which you could really make that work as just her um, complete reaction to feeling sort of like an orphan is to reach out for this moment of, of, of a family and, you know, to say, let's get married, Toby. And Toby, of course, You know, he's not going to get any better offer than that. He's going to go for it. Um, So I think that that would be really interesting. Maybe Spencer and Toby have finally divorced after like really giving it a go. Um, Or maybe they divorced a while ago and Spencer has been. um, It it always felt really correct to me that at a certain point in her life, Spencer would be sort of sleeping with anyone that moved male, female or otherwise. (laughs) That like that Mm -hmm. she would get to a point in her life where that would sort of be her coping mechanism. Um, And, and perhaps relapsing um, with, with her pills or with, you know, alcohol or um, in some fashion, I think that, um, or maybe just, you know, going, having recently gone through recovery, something, something like that, where, like, I think things would be, things would be kind of dark for Spencer. um, And it, that would feel really
0: correct to me. Um, What do what do you, what do you think about that? Well, I agree. And when you were talking about how Veronica Mars season four was on Hulu versus on a regular network, and that did allow it to be more dark. I think that allowing the liars more darkness to their characters as they age uh, after everything that they've been through. I think that that does sound really appealing. Uh, and, And really, it doesn't have to be like it doesn't have to be. Necessarily upsetting or traumatic i think that you know like starting them in a dark place and then working them towards redemption i think could be uh, a really interesting and and really powerful narrative especially because if they start out in a place where they're estranged from each other and wind up you know through reconnecting getting everyone to a better place i think that that would be really powerful too uh, plus i would love to see presria having broken up because he was, you know, still pursuing teenage girls. Yeah, I think that
1: that would be, that that would be a really interesting place to take Arya. And I could see Arya kind of um, sort of having this, you know, I'll never love again. attitude, Wearing like very severe makeup and black turtlenecks and being very like dramatic and, you know, living in, living in Germany or something like that, you know, like, just like, <laughs> like going to this very sort of dramatic place Um, and then coming out of that, you know, eventually. um, Where do you where do you see where do you see Hannah and
0: Emily? Um, That's an interesting question. I feel like Hannah would actually probably be doing the best uh, in terms of her emotional headspace. Uh, just because she was the most open to therapy during the run of the show, and sure. so i I would hope that she might have uh availed herself of that again. but I actually think Hannah uh would be kind of uh Hannah would be becoming her mother. Hannah would be Ashley, I think she'd be raising uh a kid that she was you know that was like the we need to save our marriage kid uh mm-hmm. that she would have with Caleb uh, before Caleb bounces <laughs> um uh and i I think that uh Yeah, I I think that Hannah would probably be in a a decent place. I think she'd really have a lot in common with Ashley in terms of being, like, kind of a a young single mom and and maybe having some financial struggles around that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And where where, where do you think Emily might be? Oh, well... You know, in in canon, uh, they. I, I guess I'm gonna say that like maybe Pam is raising the twins, <laughs> like maybe, maybe, or like maybe they like left them with Hannah and then like Allison and Emily both took off, so Hannah actually has like a small baby farm <laughs> at, at her house. Um, be, because honestly, I, I I don't necessarily see uh, Emily or Allison well, I guess I could see Allison having to stick around with the twins more so than Emily. Um, But I kind of see Emily in a similar place to where she was uh, in California, where she's just kind of like, you know, drifting, bartending, maybe not having, um, maybe not having a super uh, solid, stable uh, career or or home life situation. I could, I mean, if we want to get like, if we want to get kind of dark, I kind of imagine Emily like, you know, like hooking up with different people and spending the night at their place, and doing it so often that then it's like eventually revealed that when she doesn't hook up with somebody, she's like living in her car.
1: Oh God! Um, yeah, no, living behind the bar. Um, yeah. 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 No, I, I could, I could, I could see something like that. I mean, um, I think that some. I, I think that a, a character note that would feel really correct to me not that the show would ever go there um, would be Emily feeling a lot of guilt about pressuring Allison into having the twins um, and, and sort of being unable to live with herself in some ways uh, because of that guilt. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that um, Mona is a really interesting case to think about. Um, I, you know, it depends on, Like, are we talking Alex and Mary in the bunker, Mona? Are we talking perfectionist Mona? Are we ignoring that both of those things happened and just like looking at Mona, you know, 10
0: ish years in the future? If there's any justice in the world, Mona is going to be doing the best. Like, Mona is going to just be like, you know there there are so many she she can be all the things she can be like working her way up to the Supreme Court, she can be uh you know owning vogue, she can be like the new boss on the bold type, she can be like all of the things I like that I like that a lot and
1: and allison is Allison just raising the twins
0: I, well, maybe if Pam or Hannah <laughs> aren't um. But I think that, um, I think that Allison could be kind of in a, I think that Allison could kind of just be in a, in a depression, like in a, in a state of like being really upset that like, her her family wasn't that great, but her family has like been really destroyed. Um, You know, that, that her, you know, she, she had this, sister relationship with charlotte who was then killed and who uh then later her friends kind of believed might have deserved to be killed Mm -hmm. um you know i I think that she would just be I, i think that she would be having a lot of struggles with her mental health i think she would i i think it was very possible that she could still be teaching um but she just wouldn't be making a lot of forward progress in her life
1: you know, PLL being PLL, they'd probably have it be that, you know, Allison is having an affair with a, another student.
0: <laughs> oh, God. I, I really worried about that for the perfectionists. I'm, I'm glad they didn't go there. But
1: oh. no, they just had I,
0: having they, an affair they, with a student. Uh, yeah, I, I, I would wish for no affairs uh, with the students. That would be my, <laughs> that would be my goal. Yeah. Um, Oh, also, I wanted to, when we were talking about Nancy Drew earlier, uh, they have a character on that show who uh, was sleeping with a high school student as an adult. And I really like that in that show, it seems like that is a clear sign of this person uh, having a character flaw, like of being a liar and being, uh, you know, someone who, like, should not be trusted, which I feel like, gosh, I'm so happy about that. I feel like we've come a long way. From the days of Presora Fitz, romantic lead. Well,
1: and it's interesting that they they did the same thing in the first few episodes of Riverdale, that Archie, Archie was was um, involved with his teacher, and she was she was like she was portrayed as that was not a good thing.
0: Yeah, and then she winds up uh, she winds up paying for that by being killed. Uh, later on in, in the run of the show, which actually that's another good question. Um, so PLL has a pretty high body count based on the type of show that it is. Uh, and Veronica Mars also winds up with a pretty high body count as you, as you go on. Um, but what do you think about uh, PLL's uh, various deaths of female characters versus Veronica Mars's, uh, frequent uh, use of the death of female characters.
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um, yeah, it's like PLL would kill queer women, and Veronica Mars would kill blonde women. Um, <laughs> you know, I think that. I mean, I think that with PLL, there's like the double whammy of the fact that so frequently it was a barrier gaze situation, and or. Uh, kill-the-black character situation, um, which is, like, makes it that much more sort of, um, you know, problematic and contributing to a a really um, troubling pattern in a lot of uh, media. But um, Veronica Mars, even maybe more than PLL, it felt felt like just had these, like, plot-device women that they would kill um, without... Without much sort of thought or um, real like feelings of sadness afterwards, um, and sort of randomly too, like Meg Manning and and Gia and um, some of the other women, it seemed like it just would happen very very suddenly, and so. Um,
0: oh, I guess. The, the movie kills off uh, not only Gia but also Susan and Carrie. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um,
1: so I, I, I don't know. I don't know. What, what, what are your thoughts on that?
0: Well, I think it's. Uh, I, I just think it's an interesting note that Veronica Mars. Uh, when we talk about Veronica having trauma heaped on her uh, in a in a late Spencer Hastings kind of way, uh, that Veronica it starts with Lily Kane dying. Uh, her friend Meg dies later on. Uh, Gia, who she's like not super close to, but is like one of the few continuous friends that we see Veronica having also gets killed. Uh, and I I do think that that is uh, a kind of a black mark and and kind of a mark of carelessness, uh, towards the show. And it was also one of the things that I think, uh, made me almost cheer when they made the decision to kill off Logan, because that is someone Mm
1: -hmm. who is going to
0: have a definitive impact Uh, and who is you know people were just so upset they were so upset and it's like yeah that's you know you get that way when a dude is treated like so many female characters have been treated uh, across genres and uh, you know uh, across many years and female characters have been treated even on this very show.
1: Well and I I also feel like there are times where um, Veronica Mars sort of the show and the character kind of dips into this like Veronica's not like other girls, you know, like Veronica's kind of a guy's gal. Like she has, she has, but it's like, it feels like the relationships that the show really wants us to invest in are Veronica's relationships with the male characters on the show. Be they, is it whether it's, you know, her father, her boyfriend, or her male friends um, who are really, with the exception of Mac, much more developed than any of Veronica's female friendships. Um, and and I, I do think that Um, You know, that's that's something that I would say PLL really gets a a high mark for is like so many female characters and so many um, great, complicated, loving, supportive uh, friendships
0: between female characters. Yeah, that's definitely a place where PLL has the edge for sure. Uh, I also want to just mention that uh, Veronica Mars, now that years have gone on, uh, really has an outstanding cast of like now well-known actors in various roles like Kristen Bell. That was one of her first roles. And now obviously uh, she's a big star, the good place and frozen and uh, so many other things, the voice of gossip girl, et cetera. Uh, and of course uh, Tessa Thompson plays a role in season two in one of her first uh, you know, one, one of her first big roles that she has on the show. Uh, Joss Whedon makes a cameo uh, at one point in the second season. So you right. get a lot of great, you get a lot of great cameos uh, and you get a lot of great people kind of coming across the screen uh, when you, when you watch the Veronica Mars early seasons.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. And actually, I believe Tessa Thompson was brought into the show because the network wanted Veronica to have a female friend. And the writers of the show so, so much, like, didn't want to, you know, sort of cow to that, that they purposefully made her very antagonistic towards Veronica. Which feels like a very weird, like, cutting off your nose to spite your face situation.
0: A hundred percent. Yeah. 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 And then I think that they actually were probably trying that with Gia's character, too, um, to, to give Veronica more interaction with other women. Uh, during that time period and most of Veronica's interactions with
1: Gia are Veronica basically rolling her eyes at the fact that Gia is such a girl oh yeah
0: and oh I should mention that Gia is uh, Jessica Jones yeah yeah
1: Christian Ritter who also you know huge role on Breaking Bad as well Um, and also uh, Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23 which is a a show that I loved so much and was cancelled way too soon (laughs)
0: You know, during this period, I really did not love Gia's character on Veronica Mars. And Kristen Ritter also had a small part uh, during the same sort of time period in the later seasons of Gilmore Girls. She's brought in. She's brought in as, like, the friend who's not Paris uh, towards <laughs> towards the end of Rory's college career. And I remember thinking, like, oh, my gosh, I really don't like this actress at all. Why is she showing up on these shows and, like, in these kind of annoying roles that I don't like? But in hindsight, uh, she's actually a great actress. I love her as Jessica Jones. Those were just two, like... Not very well written characters uh, that she really did her best with uh, in the fullness of time.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, it's it's funny to funny funny how that happens. But yeah, there were a lot of a lot of great actors um, on on Veronica Mars that have gone on to to show up in other things. It's it's cool to see. Even in, yeah. I, even, yeah, like, yeah, Jessica Chastain is a uh, guest star. I think, um, oh, what is that actress's name? I'm, uh, Melissa Leo. She's, like, a guest star in one of the first episodes, too. Um, and, yeah, so it's, it's cool to see that.
0: Uh, yeah, and there's, um, oh, my gosh, there is one actor who's, like, across, the babysitter, is uh the the babysitter on PLL who is Aria's former babysitter who oh, uh, Ella wants to have a throuple with is Meg on Veronica yes. Mars right Alana Tall yes, Paul. yes. Uh,
1: yeah she's she's blonde on um on <laughs> Veronica Mars but uh yeah she is it's kind of it's kind of funny that there isn't that there isn't more crossover in the guest stars on those shows mm-hmm. but um yeah yeah oh God <laughs> Her poor, I, what is her name on PLL? Um,
0: <laughs> um I want to say that it's like Sabrina, but I don't think it's actually Sabrina. Okay, I'm 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 looking this up. I'm looking this up. Um, and she has like she has those two stories that have been <laughs> two stories that have been published on like websites, e, e- journals, or whatever yeah
1: simone simone and she thinks ezra's really cute um yeah and and i always felt like oh my god how many times did byron hit on poor simone mm-hmm. and yeah. ella for that matter
0: <laughs> yeah yeah so um yeah but i i just felt like this was a really like there are enough points of comparison between the two shows that it seemed like it would be interesting to kind of like talk about that and, and dive in and, you know, maybe some of you have watched Veronica Mars of our listeners. Maybe some of you haven't, but I, I think it's uh you know, it's a show, a show that I enjoyed through the years, uh, skip season three, but otherwise it's definitely worth taking a look at.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think, I think particularly Spencer Hastings and Veronica Mars, those two characters share a lot of the same DNA um, and, you know, just in terms of like a character study angle, really interesting. And um, maybe one thing that we can just talk about before we wrap up is um, Veronica as a queer character. Like it's there's a, there's a there's a vibe. There's a vibe there. It's not. It's it's never spoken
0: about, but there is a definite vibe. Yeah, it's and a similar that's way to Spencer. Yeah, in a very similar way to Spencer. And I feel like uh, Lily is like queer in the way that Allison is queer. Like, I think, we, I think we see Veronica and Lily kiss, although it's like kind of one of those for the boys kisses uh, in the episode where there are videos of them going to like the sp- spring fling or something together, uh, where okay. Veronica and Logan are like working on a video tribute uh, to Lily. I, I think we see them kiss in that episode. I'm I'm pretty sure. Unless I it's it's extremely possible that I just headcanoned that, but I think we <laughs> see that. I think we see that happen. Uh and then also there's um a moment when Veronica is like having a dream about what uh graduation day would have been like if Lily were still alive. And in in that version of of the world, uh Lily is kind of uh telling her about uh like uh, an experience that, that she had at college that Veronica thinks is like uh, a dude and Lily's like no it was you know it was a girl and Veronica's like oh, but she's like not really surprised so I think it's definitely true that like Veronica's headcanon is that Lily is queer
1: yeah Veronica basically has that reaction that Anna Kendrick has in a simple favor <laughs> <laughs> oh yes I had a threesome with my husband but it was <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, So, but Veronica also pings as very queer. And I actually think that that's one of the reasons that you don't get to see her having a lot of close relationships with women, uh, like from a character standpoint, because I Mm. think that's something that Veronica doesn't necessarily want to engage in with herself.
1: Oh, interesting. That's a very interesting idea. I mean, I I think that one sort of... um, explanation that might be given that's you know not a a less like a less queer explanation is like she would never want to replace Lily but if you think of Lily as somebody that she had romantic feelings on romantic feelings towards like that that connection becomes even more interesting And, and also like her one like close female friend is Mac who also reads
0: as very queer
1: holy
0: cow yeah and in the movie she has like a very max hair is always very queer i feel like like she has um she has like some uh, like a a chunk of her hair that's like a different color when we first see her um and that was like before everybody had a chunk of their hair that was a different color like this was like this was a long time ago back in 04 um but that was like a very queer look for her then and then in the movie she has like the queerest hair it's so queer um yeah. it's like yeah it's incredible um so yeah mac really does ping as queer and her interactions with veronica uh like there's there's a moment in season two i think it's season two when veronica is investigating uh, what seems like it might be a blackmail scheme targeting uh queer students at neptune high uh, and I, I don't love i don't love that mystery of the week because uh, i don't love the way that it resolves um it's a it's a stupid solution but it is at least a solution um but there's a moment when it turns out that mac is the like moderator for the message board who set up the um the security that veronica needs to get around and they they have like a deliberate moment where it seems like mac like when veronica says she needs access to that board it seems like mac is wondering if veronica is coming out to her and veronica might be wondering if mac has done the security because mac is queer and so it's like this whole like unspoken dynamic between them uh that they just kind of have exist there
1: yeah. Yeah. It's, it totally, totally. And um, it's interesting in the way that I feel like there are maybe parallels to Spencer's relationship with Aria a little bit there um, and sort of the, the weird ways in which Spencer's kind of interest in Aria's love life can kind of um be read a certain way. And certainly, I mean, we already kind of mentioned it, but certainly Veronica's interactions with Nicole in season four are just like, hanging all over the place <laughs> like
0: <laughs> well yeah and i mean when you think about logan and veronica being in this long term relationship like i think you can make a really strong case for uh that th- by dating each other and and by you know presumably exclusively sleeping with one another um they're both still able to like have li- like are veronica and logan ever in bed and the ghost of lily kane isn't there Sure, that's a great point. Well,
1: and that that Nicole exhibits a lot of the traits that initially attracted Veronica to Logan. Like, Nicole is, um, you know, kind of a bad girl in some ways. Mm -hmm. And Veronica names that multiple times. She's like, oh, you know, her cool, her cool, like, the cool way she dresses, and, like, she's just such a badass and um, is really drawn to that. Um, And... Again, I think that that has similarities with moments that Spencer has with certain female characters on the show where she's kind of drawn to them or intrigued by them in certain ways.
0: Yeah, I would say that it's, uh, it, it, it has echoes of Spencer's uh, being intrigued by Allison. It has yeah. hints of Spencer being intrigued by Cece Drake. And yeah. I would say it has uh, hints of Spencer being intrigued by Paige McCullers.
1: And unfortunately, two out of three of those people she's related to. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, yeah, and yes, again, in, in the full run of the show. <laughs> well, and also- and, I mean, as far as we know, she's related to them. It's very possible that by the time we got to season 18B, Spencer herself would have been like a clone grown in a laboratory <laughs> <laughs> who shared like no biological dna with anyone except aliens. Very true. Also um her interactions with Kate as well.
1: I would I would include. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that for sure. Yeah. Well, um this has been a great conversation. There's it's it's I yeah, it's made me just realize how many connections there really are between
0: these two shows. Yeah, and I mean, I, I enjoyed them both. If, if you're a person who enjoyed any elements of the mystery of PLL um, or any of the the shippy drama of PLL, I feel like Veronica Mars has a lot to offer.
1: I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, yeah, and we've been talking about sort of having this conversation for a while, and so it's it's great to, um, great to finally have it. Um, oh, go ahead.
0: No, I was just gonna say props to Vena for watching like all of Veronica Mars uh over over the summer. I really appreciate your dedication and your friendship. That wasn't like just a you know, that wasn't just a show where it was like we're three episodes in and I might say, "Hey, are you watching the new Batwoman?" Like, you you really like put in the work on that and I I appreciate it. Well, I I also
1: I I appreciate you um suggesting it cuz I really really enjoyed it and Even though, you know, there were some very rocky moments, I was ultimately glad that I had seen the whole thing because I think I felt like it gave me a full picture. I mean, being able to just binge it and go from one episode to the the next and not have to, you know, wait around or deal with commercials or anything certainly helped. But being able to kind of get the full picture of the show, um, the highs and the lows, I felt like was it was really informative. And it actually made me appreciate season four that much more after
0: (laughs) suffering through season three. Yeah. Season four pulled it out of the ditch, which I wish that's, that's one of the things that made me feel like, do I wish we had like a late, late season liars where it could maybe like pull itself back up to where it had been. But do I really wish that? Or do I just think I wish it?
1: Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, Yeah. So we are going to have at least one more bonus episode, um, before, before we come back with season three. Um, and we're still sort of figuring out what that will be. We've gotten some great suggestions from folks of, of different things and we, we appreciate all of those and have made note of all of those for, um, for the future. Um, but yeah, we're, we're looking forward to continuing. It's been fun to do these bonus episodes and I have to say, I'm getting excited for season three. You know, it's, it's going to be, be a journey. For sure. Um, if you have any thoughts on Veronica Mars on PLL on anything else, you can send us an email at everybody, at gmail.com. You can also check out our Instagram at everybody, a podcast or send in a rating and review on iTunes. We would appreciate it. Um, Anything else?
0: No, that's it. Take care, everybody. Till next week. Take care.